Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, everyone. Today, we are joined by Serena Wolf, the author of The Dude Diet. And I was just saying before we started recording, I'm actually kind of upset because we briefly met for like literally five seconds, probably. Five seconds. Yesterday, two days ago. Two days ago. But I'm saying it doesn't count. This is our first official hang. Our first official hang. And I was so excited because it was going to be the first podcast guest that I had never met before. I feel honored. (laughs) Well, I feel like we know each other. Well, I feel like I know you. Instagram. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. That's how Instagram works. And, you know, feeling connected to so many people is so great. But then it's also kind of odd when you take a step back. And I'm like, oh, well, Serena does it. Like, I'm (laughs) thinking about what I wanted to ask you. And there's so much. But I truly feel like I'm a part of your life. Yeah, I mean, that is actually the part that I love about Instagram. Because I've paired my Instagram back so much, Mm -hmm. it was like one of my, you know, whatever we call our resolution intentions, whatever you want to call it. Um, But I now follow so few people that I feel like I agree. It's a it's a deep dive into the people that I do follow, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm here for it. I'm like a oh, lot, of, and I've taken so many of those relationships offline, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's it's given me such a positive relationship with social media because I'm like, as long as social media stays social, which it was not for mm-hmm. me when I was following a lot of people. Yeah, it's like a brain dump. Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. and just made me feel like shit. Yeah, I feel also. <laughs> Sorry. What is the what is your swearing protocol on this oh, podcast? Oh, we swear. Everything's <laughs> okay. explicit. Do not worry. I am one to swear, so this podcast is all for swearing. But I actually found you one of my Instagram friends that became like a very real friend, Molly, with yes. Kalifa, who's been on here. I remember she told me about you once, and I started following you, and I realized that actually when I was at, at J.P. Morgan, a person mentioned the dude diet to me like no. years ago, when this first came out and they were like Kimmy have you heard of this I'm like no but it sounds so cool <laughs> and I think I looked into it but that was before I had freckled foodie I wasn't following any food Instagrams yes. so it was a short-lived relationship at that time but then Molly brought you back into my life and now I'm totally Hi, here for it yeah hey Mom. Molly's my favorite <laughs> I love her so we're gonna do a deep dive into you the dude diet all of that but Sweet. first I have my like annoying questions, but how would you define success? Ooh, my definition of success has changed so much Mm -hmm. because I'm super type A and always have been very goal oriented. Same. And I used to get my sense of self-worth from external validation. Mm -hmm. So I was super academic growing up. Mm -hmm. Did Um, you go to Harvard? I did. I was reading your bio and I was like, damn, okay. (laughs) But that actually, funnily enough, was sort of a goal of mine when I was a kid. No reason. You know, it's a brand mm-hmm. name. And I was like, I'm, I will go to there. Yeah. <laughs> and like really just sort of worked hard and then enjoyed that when I did that, I got validation in 100%. terms of like you get an A or you mm-hmm. get a head pat from your teachers or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um, and so that was really tough for me when I graduated from college because I no longer had sort of anywhere to channel my energy like cue extreme panic disorder Mm -hmm. but that is a different conversation um but I also went to culinary school after college and that was sort of a reality check because I was 
the worst. Well, and also you hadn't, <laughs> I was reading your bio, which I really love on your website. I think it's Thank hilarious you. and perfectly written. But you like didn't cook. No, I didn't cook at all. So nobody in my family cooks. Like okay. my mom growing up, She's a good cook, but she forgets that she's cooking. Like, she's a multitasker. And so we ate. Definition of my mom. We ate, like, burned everything. My mom will (laughs) throw something in the oven. It drives me crazy. I love you, mom. But she'll throw something in the oven and then just walk away. And something will be on the stovetop and she'll walk away and start getting dressed and put on her makeup. And I'm like, exactly. And then, like, somebody would smell something and she'd be like, oh, fuck the roast. You know, like this. (laughs) But, like, it's all good. Like, we ate good food growing up. And it's still now. But she just. Uh, it it's an efficient mess. It's all over the place, but somehow yep. it always happens and it works. And it, <laughs> it just always works. Blows and my honestly, mind. I do find that like I love a good char on things, oh, so same. I find myself disclaiming that whenever I'm cooking and doing demos and stuff. I'm like, if you're not into this extreme browning as I am, you can I love just turn a good down crisp. the heat. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hadn't cooked at all. I sort of made like grilled cheese and very bad scrambled eggs and I got there and I really think that I was so naive you're only first of all the only person who moves to Paris at 22 with no friends barely speaking the language and like no job prospects and just believes it's gonna mm-hmm. work out is like a 22 year old oh, yeah, I was like I was so no naive fear. and optimistic and had zero fear mm-hmm. exactly and just sort of assumed that I would make it work as I had everything that had preceded of course. that. And so you went to Lake Cordon Bleu, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. And the only reason that happened was I got to Paris and I wanted to be a writer and I thought I would get these freelance jobs. I had the wrong type of visa. It's just like a long, mm-hmm. winding, ridiculous okay. story. But a friend of mine had done uh, the basic program at Cordon Bleu because at Cordon Bleu, everything is divided into three levels and then there's okay. cuisine and pastry. And you can do them simultaneously or you can just do one track. And each term is like three to four months. So I was like... I'll do the basic course. She was like, you'll mm-hmm. never regret having this life skill. I agree. And even I just reading agree. your bio, I was thinking, damn it, why didn't I do that? <laughs> and it, it really is something that I think anybody mm-hmm. like could benefit from. But again, that's coming from yeah. an extreme place of privilege. Wait, so you cheap. went to Paris without knowing you were going to do Cordon Bleu? Yes. Well, oh, I didn't know that. Um, yes. Uh, well, no. I had booked my flights, but I had decided like okay. a week before to apply and, you know, just to blow up my own spot. Everyone's like, oh my God, like how did you get in with no experience? I'm like, everybody gets in if you write the check. Okay. <laughs> I was going to ask that same question. Um so, yeah, and you have to write an essay and whatever, but yeah. again, everyone gets in. Uh, so I got there and sort of, again, naively thought I would be roasting chickens and drinking wine and, mm-hmm. and power chopping onions a la Julia Child and Julia yeah. Julia. And I just got there and realized I was completely off base. And anybody who knows literally anything about cooking or culinary school already knew that, but mm-hmm. I didn't. And everybody else in my class had a lot of cooking experience or was a, in, professionally or was an excellent home cook and was following their okay. passion to take their cooking to the next level. And did you feel underqualified at the time or were you still so Oh no, naive? I felt very underqualified okay. and sort of figured this out on the first day and was like, oh, oh. shit, like, <laughs> I perhaps have made the wrong decision. Oh and I, I really hated it the first few weeks because okay. It's trial by fire. They throw you mm-hmm. right in. You are blowtorching feathers off of chickens. And mm, interesting. Be, everything that you do, you go to demonstrations where they teach you techniques and recipes. And then you have a three-hour practical following it where you execute whatever recipes they've chosen in those three hours. And you're graded on not just the food that you present. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every, like the flavor, the texture, et cetera. Yeah. But also the presentation itself, how pretty it looks, whether the plate is appropriately warm, not too hot, not oh too my cold. Gosh. You're also graded on the cleanliness of your workstation. And I am a shit show in the kitchen still. I've mm-hmm. gotten a lot better, but in the beginning, like I'm a messy person. So I it was hard for too. me to get it together. And but also on your personal neatness. And again, I'm somebody who spills a lot. Oh my god. So like how clean your jacket is at the end of the practical and your apron and like if you're still unwrinkled and all these things and I was just not equipped. And I remember calling my mom crying and being like, I've made a huge mm-hmm. mistake. I think I should, you know, yeah. pack it in. And she was like, no. You I was, will, did you, you consider will, leaving? Yes. And mm-hmm. she was like, you'll stick it out. <laughs> and sometimes you just need somebody to be yeah. like, no, you know, 
put your big girl pants on and go back. And it sounds so cliche and I can only pin, like I can't pinpoint the exact moment, but I only really realized it in hindsight that I would say probably five or six weeks in, I just settled into it. It's like when you go to a yoga class Mm -hmm. and you like can't do a chaturanga and then all of a sudden it feels like you've been doing it forever. And I really just fell into it and fell in love with it. And I think because also I'm an anxious person, there was something very therapeutic therapeutic Mm -hmm. and soothing about being in the kitchen. It was very quiet. It was very, uh, again, like goal-oriented in that you're putting together this presentation on which you will be graded. It's also like task. You complete it. Next task. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. it was, I think it was very good and very character building. I mean, at this point in my life, I've had, 18 million failures, but at that point Mm -hmm. I hadn't. So it was like a good, oh, you are the worst in the class. How does that feel? (laughs) It's a good character building. It really was. And I, it it motivated me to work harder Mm -hmm. um, and to just understand that you don't just get to be good at things. You have to actually work at Mm -hmm. it. Uh, And then I discovered that I sort of had a I did have a knack for the cuisine element. Like I really like playing with flavors and mm-hmm. experimenting, which you don't do a ton of. You are executing recipes, but like it just came easily to me after a while. And so I switched to pastry because for a term I thought maybe Why I not? used to like decorating cakes. Like mm-hmm. perhaps I'll like this. <laughs> and I was terrible. I would be so bad I'm actually like a very bad baker so am I and it's science and that's why I hate it no wiggle room and that's what pissed me off is like if I'm making a soup and I'm like oh like this is a little bland I'm Mm -hmm. gonna add this or I'm gonna add that or I made it too spicy or forget something yes or I don't have something like baking just drives me crazy because it's so specific and you forget one ingredient and you're fucked yes exactly and the decorating oh my god and the the final I remember hearing about the final task in the highest level level of patisserie is you have to build this sugar sculpture Mm -hmm. and if it breaks you fail and I was like (laughs) I don't care (laughs) this thing stands no chance so I gave up and then did the whole like cuisine program which took me a little over a year um and I just think it gave me excellent basic cooking skills like the the tech the fundamental French cooking techniques are what we're all you know Mm -hmm. using on a day-to-day basis and even though I no longer really cook French food which like the entire motto at Pronto Bleu is like plus de crème plus de beurre like it's Mm -hmm. more cream more butter and I was like that's really upsetting (laughs) my stomach right now (laughs) thanks but no thanks yeah so I don't cook that style of food but the techniques are universal so and also just being a professionally trained chef yes is Yes. A nice addition to your title. (laughs) A, like it definitely taught you a lot, but B, moving forward with this career that you didn't know at the time you were going to have, it's a very nice add-on. Yes, exactly. It allows, or it provides a sense of respect. Definitely. And I think that when I graduated, most people were going into the restaurant world. That was their Mm -hmm. goal with this. Yeah. Or, you know, we did have a handful of, of like 65 plus women that were there late in life to just learn and I loved that but I always knew I never wanted to be in a Mm -hmm. restaurant always and so that was kind of weird because at the time I just wasn't familiar and I also when I first started at Cordon Bleu it was a placeholder and I didn't think it was going to turn into my career Um, and so when I graduated I had no idea what I wanted to mm-hmm. do, but I had started my blog at that time. And how long ago was this year? That was, oh shit, eight years ago? Okay. Seven years ago. Seven years ago. So um, then, I graduated like at the very end of 2011. Okay. And when you graduated, you had already started writing your blog? Uh, yes, but it was really shitty. It was well, called... those the videos? Because yeah, I love them yes, so much. Yes, it was called Domesticate... I mean, at the time, my blog is still called Domesticate Me, but at the time, it was domesticatemoi.blogspot.com. <laughs> and the blogspot so is key there. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it had Blackberry photos, because I had a Blackberry yes. at that time, and they were so gross. And the background was pink, which, like, you should not put pink up against food, but... <laughs> It was ridiculous, and I really, but I really loved it. And at that time, it was a hobby, and blogging was not a not at all option in 2010 when I started no. it. And so I never anticipated mm-hmm. doing anything with it. 
I graduated and decided that I wanted to be on camera and was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be on TV. Hell yeah. (laughs) And so I got a talent agent, which was like huge, but then started going to meet with people about being on Mm -hmm. TV. And again, really character building to get into these rooms and like have people laugh at me. Definitely. And be like, and are this you was serious? actually before Instagram yes, was around. It was right? pre Instagram. I used okay. to get asked how many Twitter followers I had in meetings, which oh, was hell yeah. really stressful because I've never been a big tweeter. <laughs> I used to love Twitter when I was in college. It was literally just a brain dump for me. And it was like half really drunk ridiculous yeah. things. But it was I looked back on mine recently. I'm like, well, I can't believe I did this publicly. It was just these random thoughts. But every do once you in a while, do you still use it? No, but every once in a while, I have a random thought, and I think, <laughs> God damn it, that would make a really good tweet. <laughs> so maybe I'll bring it back. I love that. But like we, you know, I, back then we were using social media for fun. Yeah, you know, it, I, I used I, to think when Instagram first came out, I thought it was a photo editing app. <laughs> so my first Instagrams on my personal account are like. Um, remember those peppermint Hershey kisses? Yes. It was a photo editing. Like, I don't know why I was doing it, but I was editing a photo of those or like a flower that I saw or like a bracelet. And I would do them like 20 at a time because I thought I was just editing the photos with cool filters. I didn't know it was a social platform. Interesting. How times have changed. Mine were like really up close selfies of like me and other people, but I just hadn't figured out how to like get my arm far enough away. <laughs> just the teeth. Yes, just the teeth. Um, but, but speaking of just the, you had a just the yes. tip. So when I came home, very long story short, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was sort of doing a lot of everything, mm-hmm. like really weird things. So mm-hmm. I was working on the blog, but not that seriously. Okay. Um, I was hostessing at The Nomad. Oh, really? Yes. I was just there As their week. first hostess. Um, what else was I doing? Oh, like going to people's apartments and being like, this is how you make a piece of salmon and some quinoa. Mm -hmm. Like very, very, very basic cooking classes. Um, and doing some private chef stuff, which I did not know how to do. So that was very weird. Yeah. And (laughs) then also going to meet with different TV and digital outlets about doing something Mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful that I was able to get into those rooms but they were also like you've been cooking for 18 months of your life our audience is primarily stay-at-home moms in their you know mid 30s to mid 40s who have been cooking for half as long as you've been alive like they're not interested in taking advice from you which is though interesting because I would say times have changed times have changed very much but this was also pre-food being what it is now. okay that makes very much which was really interesting Mm -hmm. because I kept trying to pitch I was like no but it's cooking for millennials it's cooking for people who are just out of college like my friends Mm -hmm. are emailing me you know from all over being like how do they're not asking how do I keep my emotion sauce from splitting they're like Mm -hmm. is the chicken cooked am I going to kill my friends which is a huge market now (laughs) yes and it just wasn't at the time so I kept being like this could be the first thing and they were just (laughs) (laughs) and they were just like no thank you please come back in eight to ten years Mm -hmm. and so that was sort of weird and discouraging and I think my talent agent was just a little bit he was young, but not that young, mm-hmm. and and really didn't understand sort of the blogosphere, which a okay. lot of people didn't. Yeah. And he was like, "You don't need to be a blogger. We're just gonna like skip that step." Okay. And I am somebody a who has never benefited from skipping steps, mm-hmm. and was just like, "I think I have to really do this." So I yeah. started buckling down and doing a lot of blogging and being just really consistent and doing the things that you need to do to build an audience that a lot of people don't like. And mm-hmm. so that's always when people are like, Should I, what's your best advice for starting a blog? I'm like, first of all, don't, unless yeah. <laughs> you are a psycho and want to spend all of your time teaching yourself a skill set that mm-hmm. doesn't, that may or may not come naturally to you. Some people it does come really yeah. naturally to, but like I had to teach myself how to take food photos with a DSLR. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to use WordPress, which is very simple, but I am technologically uh, challenged. No, it so. is not very simple. <laughs> and I was actually just having this conversation with one of my friends. Um, Um, two days ago where I was saying I'm figuring out what aspects of my business I like the most and what I want to focus on and I said to Joe I kind of feel like um, 
a jack of all trades but a master of none and blogging is one yes. of the things that I have and my friend is really dedicating her time on the photography aspect of her blog and making sure that it's SEO equipped mm-hmm. and she wants you know when you search a certain recipe she wants to be the top of the list and I've kind of accepted the fact that my blog is not going to be the end all be all number one spot for people to look for recipes it's kind of just something I'm gonna have in my back pocket a outlet for me to provide recipes to write content on any topics I feel I want to speak more on um but it takes so much work to have it be like oh I'm a blogger and have that really be the number one part of your business yes where I kind of went into this whole thing thinking okay yeah I can do that I can do that I can do that and then had a quick realization okay maybe the blogging aspect is not my top focus and you are that is very a very smart approach and you are light years ahead of most people who have only <laughs> Thank you so much. but no but i mean you've only been doing this full time for a year yeah and like <laughs> i've been at this now for 7 years and i'm only really figuring out what i'm doing now <laughs> but well, i keep telling myself i haven't figured it out i know i don't depends on the day no but i really think we can talk about this separately yeah. but excess i think there is like a sense of there when we taught we started all of this because you asked me what success i know i was just gonna to ask i need you to actually tell me yes. what success means to you. i don't know how we got here without me answering that but i think to me success is having this sense of existential confidence mm-hmm. in what you're doing not necessarily that you are on the exact right track mm-hmm. forever I think that, especially given how long we're going to live now, we're mm-hmm. probably going to have so many different professional seasons, and I actually am pumped about that Yeah, because uh, I'm somebody that gets bored really easily. So I think I used to define success as like from just external validation mm-hmm. and how many, whether that was money or whether that was people, quote unquote, patting me on mm-hmm. the back. Are words of affirmation your love language? Uh, yes. Mine too. And I, I, I sort of bordered on, on that and quality time. But <laughs> I'm that and acts of service. Ooh. Yeah. It, I'm very it intrigued by love people. language lately. I've been asking all the people that are closest to me in my life what theirs is because so what that you I can give. can love them better. Exactly. Yeah. What I give isn't necessarily what they receive as their top. Yeah. So, so I really think it's exis- like on an existential level, which I know people don't like airy-fairy things, mm-hmm. but I think it's having that confidence that you are doing your best and also that you – like for a long time, I really don't think that I fully believed in myself mm-hmm. in terms of what I was capable of or where I was going. I'm an incredibly rational person, hyper-rational. Mm-hmm. And I – you know, I've now – what do we call it like magical thinking and manifestation are things that people talk a lot about it's just become you know a part of the zeitgeist and Mm -hmm. I was very bad at that and I'm still not great at it but I'm working on it um which is all that you can do yeah the the concept of thinking really really big and making really lofty goals I was like yeah but that's probably not gonna happen so I'm gonna I'm gonna buckle down on the mm-hmm. things that I know I can yeah. achieve and I think letting go of that hyper rational side and just being like I'm doing this and I'm loving it and that's mm-hmm. sort of where I am in the past six months and I've just been so much happier yeah and also just believing that everything you do does serve a purpose yeah. in some way you might not know what it is no. but I, with each step you take, it eventually leads you on a path that you're meant to be on. Yeah. And, and just accepting that. I, my favorite saying, which I overuse, is just you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going back. Oh, so. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I know you are pretty open about anxiety and Super panic yeah. attacks and all that. And I have been, I've never been diagnosed with anxiety or any of that, but I definitely struggle with it yeah and it's something I've been very open with on my platform seeing a therapist was the number one thing when I quit my job I always wanted to see a therapist but unfortunately I worked at a job where I got in too early that I couldn't go beforehand 
my after work plans always changed and I couldn't leave the desk to see a therapist. And so the day I quit, it was my number one thing to do was find a therapist. Um, Love it. But I think that that's something, it makes it difficult to do what we were just discussing because my anxiety keeks on the what is the end picture? What am I meant? What am I doing? What's happening tomorrow or Mm -hmm. in five years? Or what is my career? You know, that's where I can get in a dark hole. So what have you found helps kind of pull you out of that, but focus on the beliefs that we were just discussing? So when it, for me, I had my first panic attack the week I graduated from college, Mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense because my whole life I've been able to channel all of my nervous energy, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. what has now manifested itself as anxiety into academics. And the second that I no longer had a plan Mm -hmm. or a next step my brain was like why what is happening i was in a dark place right after i graduated yeah so it was and it is ridiculous and sort of amazing that i've chosen this career path for myself Mm -hmm. knowing that there's so much space for anxiety because you know part of having anxiety is fear of the unknown and i was just gonna say those exact words it's perpetual. Mm-hmm. Everything is unknown. I cannot really see the next steps, and I experiment a lot. And I think leaning in to the fear, mm-hmm. which I've only really started to do again in the past six months or so, just really throw myself into it and be like, I don't care if this doesn't work. And mm-hmm. I'm currently working on a lot of projects that I'm like, these pr- could very well go nowhere. And And the weird thing is, is I don't care, and not in a defeatist way, in like mm-hmm. a really wonderful, exciting, optimistic yep. way where I no longer have any qualms about throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks as yeah. long as it's making me happy because I do have a little bit more financial flexibility now. Like mm-hmm. I really stress to people that being your own boss is really wonderful and our culture really... Uh, nowadays puts so much pressure on following your passion and Mm -hmm. and you know if you're if you love your job you never work a day in your life and Mm -hmm. I think it's really misleading and I also think it's not necessary to for your work to be your passion if you have other things in your life that you're passionate about I think it's too much pressure but I also think what's crazy is that I am only now like in this moment sort of really passionate about what I'm doing, I have had to spend a lot of time with the notion that I would eventually get to a place like this, Mm -hmm. doing really shitty work that I was not passionate about that was a stepping stone. And like, I think it's really naive and really privileged for people to think that you just get to, first of all, most people like cannot, cannot work for themselves, work for themselves. And also the concept that you just like start your blog or write a book or whatever and become this overnight success without Mm -hmm. having to spend years with your nose to the grindstone is just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I think Mm -hmm. something I've been focusing on more recently is like pulling back the curtain on the reality of the day to day and the finances and stuff, because the curtain can often seem very glamorous and it's so glamorous. Um, And I think for me, just, leaning into this and yeah. and being like it may not work out which a lot of people are like just tell yourself like it's all gonna work out I'm like it may not but that is also okay. okay has alleviated so much anxiety for me and also doing things that make me happy that scared me that memory mm-hmm. of like you did this thing that you liked that you were scared of doing and nothing bad happened. Now my anxious brain can call on that memory. So when I'm feeling anxious about doing something like that, it's like, no, 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 you have done this before and you are fine. And it's like the voice we tell ourselves is always thinking of these negative outcomes. But then I think, when has that voice ever actually been right? Someone, I forget what I was listening to, but there was an example of your boyfriend doesn't respond to a text message or something. (laughs) And immediately you're like, well, where is he? What is he doing? Blah, blah, blah. And you tell yourself all these stories. But when has your boyfriend, this is just an example, ever done any of those things you're telling yourself? And then instead he's like, oh, sorry, my phone died. And then immediately your brain shuts off and it's like, oh, okay, it's fine. And if you think back 
whenever I tell myself stories about my career or relationships or anything, I think back to all the times that I was telling myself stories and then none of that was actually true. And if I would, if we only told ourselves a potential positive story, yep. imagine how different that would be. And I think what you were saying earlier about how going in with the mentality of like, I don't care, I think there are two total sides to the I don't care. And I think it's really exemplary and amazing the side that you're taking. Because there's the side of like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to half-ass this because, you know, whatever. But then there's an I don't care about the result because I want to do this so badly. Yes. It, I'm okay with failing. And I think some. I was talking to a friend recently and I've been having – the creative process for me is that thing. I don't know if you've seen it. It went viral on Instagram years ago and it was like – the creative process where it's like this sucks this isn't that bad this is kind of amazing it's like this sucks i mm-hmm. hate myself <laughs> i hate this project and then all of a sudden it's like it's amazing yeah and it's it's a cycle and for my with my first book i was like going through the possible worst case scenario mm-hmm. like we just talked about and hilariously i am a like I'm apocalyptic when it comes to the worst case scenario and I am in therapy and I love mm-hmm. therapy and my therapist like has actively started cracking up sometimes <laughs> at my worst case scenarios. He's like, I don't even know where you came up with that. Like a lot of that is not even like physiologically possible. <laughs> <laughs> but with the first book, my whole fear was this is going to come out. It's going to disappoint the people who, because the Dude Diet started as a column on my blog. It's going to mm-hmm. disappoint the people who loved the column and nobody's going to buy it. I'm never going to get another book deal, so I'm going to have to go Mm -hmm. into, like, something else. And it will be this huge black mark on my Mm -hmm. resume and and also two years wasted. Yeah. (laughs) That is not realistic because, like, the truth is, is if it was a flop, there are a bazillion books that are a flop, and those people are fine. It would not matter at all. Um, But my fear with the second book is now just a bigger there was such a positive response to the first one that I'm like, oh, now I'm going to let these people down. Most times, you know, people shit on sequels. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just setting myself up for possible failure. But at the same time, my friend was like, well, did you do your best? And I was like, well, that's a really layered question. And she's Mm -hmm. like, okay, okay, let's not go into, you know, you can always change things, but it's like at the time that you turned it in, was the best you could have done. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, then fuck it. Like, there's nothing else you could have done. There's Mm -hmm. literally nothing. So it's going to come out. You you did it. And And also, like, there will always be someone that maybe doesn't love it as much. Oh, my God. There's going to be a million. And that's fine. It's actually, like, now become, like, fun for me to to read the, like, lengthy hate notes that people write um, about books. Because if you ever go on Goodreads to actually find a book to read Mm – it's very difficult because you're like, oh, wow, like people have written novels about how much they hate this. Well, I also think about that with things like Yelp, for instance. Yes. I would never go on Yelp and review an incredible experience I had at a restaurant. Yes. But I have gone on and left like an awful review on a horrendous experience. People love to review the negative experience because they feel it's this outlet of, ha, I got you back. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And I've been that person. But then the thousand restaurants that I've gone to that are amazing, I would never think, oh, I should go on Yelp and review this. Yes, exactly. It's a a ridiculous space. All of these review spaces are hilarious. I've actually spent a lot of time reading very funny Amazon reviews. Oh my God. Have you ever read the Sugar-Free Haribos? Yes, that's That's what it was. You read it? At work, I spent like an hour one day at work reading them. They are so good. I need to tell you this story, which is completely irrelevant, but I sincerely hope that anybody who appreciates ridiculous Amazon reviews, I was looking for a weighted blanket for my anxiety on Amazon. And there was this weighted blanket, and somebody had written a novel review, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I am intrigued by this. And it was also a positive review, so I was super pumped about it. this guy who said he was like first of all looks just like a normal blanket and I was like okay are you trying to hide that it's a blanket first of all that's a ridiculous way to start and then he was like 
It's very difficult to move underneath the blanket, but not impossible. Did he not understand <laughs> what a weighted blanket is? I was like, this is that stuff like that brings me just an absurd amount of joy. I read one um, on milk once, I think it was on Amazon. They, I could spend yes. an entire day reading <laughs> Amazon reviews. Everyone in the, in the iTunes review notes, please leave your yes. favorite Amazon. And reviews. so that's something like the story I was telling myself. I decided I wanted to start a podcast basically because I just fucking love talking. And yeah. I could talk to a wall like, my elementary school teacher wrote it in my report card. <laughs> I don't shut up. I tell way too much of my own story to anyone that has ears. So I thought it was a great way to reach my audience in a different outlet because I find it more therapeutic than writing sometimes. Definitely. And I just wanted to bring people on here to have conversations about things. But I was naive in the sense that I decided, oh, I'm, I want to start a podcast. And I had drinks with one of my closest friends not in this space in real world quote unquote who works in production and media and she was giving me all these ideas and how you know I should take it slow and maybe meet with a few people and meet with a producer and have them do it for me and all this stuff and I left took none of her advice yeah naively decided to just go buy my own equipment figure out how to do this I spent days on the internet crying and wanting to rip my hair out because it was so confusing (laughs) and put it out there and she was like wow you literally did everything I told you not to do but like I'm really proud of you but okay do not listen to anything I say and I was like you know I was so naive that I just put it out there and I'm happy I did that because I am someone that when I decide I want to do something I have to get it done and so I ripped the band-aid off but then once it was out there I was like oh shit what did I just do and then the story I was telling myself was this is gonna suck Mm -hmm. no one's gonna listen anyone that listens is gonna tell me to shut the hell up because nothing I'm saying is interesting um just you know I got in that whole mind fuck I don't know what else to call it but don't you find at least in the past year the more that you try stuff and a, figure out what you like, mm-hmm. the happier you, you, you are leaning into those things. Oh my gosh, yes. But also, the more you fail, the more you realize it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Like, my, I went on a book tour with my first book, and I went to like 20 cities, and some of the events were huge successes mm-hmm. and like sold out and amazing, and some were colossal failures. <laughs> and when I say that, I think people are like, oh, like it wasn't a great turnout. I'm like, no. Imagine a room with snacks for 50 and chairs set out and two people sitting there. And you have to give the full presentation for those two people. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, really good. Like I'm talking about. So, uh, where did I have my worst ones? Ooh, Seattle. Okay. Which I feel like, to be fair, at the store, they were like, it was pouring rain, but I'm like, isn't it always pouring rain? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I think it's just tough we didn't have a lot of time to do promotion on this mm-hmm. and yada yada and I was like you don't have to sugarcoat it I'm, yeah, I'm okay. okay and but that was only because I had had so many failed events I did an event in a bar in Minneapolis like a dive bar sounds amazing I thought it was a genius idea and I there was a guy from Barnes and Noble with one of those giant machines that look like they're from 1940 mm-hmm. to sell the books and there was a stack <laughs> of books I didn't sell a single one. People just looked at me the entire night like I was batshit crazy. I just, I mean, I had several cocktails. But there was a table of girls sitting next to me, and they were like, what the fuck is this bitch doing in here hawking this weird-ass diet book? And I was just like, okay, wow, this is what it feels like. This is what failure feels like. This is a tour rock bottom right here. But But once you accept that, then it doesn't matter. But then it just didn't matter. And I just, I was like, nothing bad happened. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't sell any books, which was not ideal. But, oh, well. And, and if you don't fail, then there's really no success. Yeah. And like, it just, that, and I, I also now am super touchy feely, mm-hmm. even like five years ago, my husband makes fun of me all the time. He's like, I, it's hilarious. He's like, now you walk down the street, you see a dog, you start crying. You like talk about something, you start crying. I'm like, I used to be not a bitch, but like stone cold. I literally and had this conversation last night. Really? I never cried. Like, growing up. My parents thought I was, like, a sociopath. I would cry in (laughs) movies and TV shows sometimes. Um, But I was stone... Like, I was not the nicest person. Yeah. 
And I would say that my sister, I was, I was a bitch. There's yeah. no getting around it. I mean, I think I had that reputation in different realms <laughs> of my life. Um, but I just, I, I really had an opinion and I just said it how it was. And I had no time for the, like, I still don't really, I'm not a sugar coder. Yeah. So. Which I appreciate. Yeah. But I, I think I have definitely changed where I had an emotional breakdown last night. We got home from dinner and I started hysterically crying. And it, I, in that moment was literally, we had just at dinner talked about how I grew up never crying. I'm hysterically crying because I had a headache after one drink and I yeah. just wanted to be normal. And I'm crying. And then I look at Joe and I was like, is this the new me? Am I that in touch with these emotions that I just cry all the time now? But it's glorious. Oh, but I love I it. I feel so happy. And the, the crazy thing is I actually was talking to my mom and I was like, I'm super nice now. And I was like, and not in a like, she's nice. I'm like, I am like to my core have had mm-hmm. a just uh, not a personality transition because I've always had ex- I've always been exactly the same yeah. it's just that now I'm a big old softy I like you become softer I yeah and I think part of that is my husband part of that is therapy mm-hmm. um and part of it is just realizing that I feel happiest when I am doing things that help other people and I I would I would have thrown up in my mouth saying that sentence Mm -hmm. a few years ago and it's been it's been something that's happened since I sort of pivoted outside of straight food which was what I was doing for so long and talking about leaning into fear Mm -hmm. I knew early on that I've always been a multi-passionate person Mm -hmm. and my passions are not super profound I'm like I love Skincare. Skincare. I love celebrity gossip. I love fashion. I love shitty TV. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that that I used to feel weirdly guilty about Mm -hmm. uh, because I felt like they didn't jibe with my intellectual side. Yeah, I get that. Which is ridiculous. Like, who the fuck cares? Mm -hmm. But it just felt really strange. And then I was somebody who was like, you should only do things that you are trained to do. So I was like, you are a trained chef. You can talk about food because you're an expert. You are not an aesthetician. Mm -hmm. You are not a style expert. You (laughs) have never worked in Hollywood. Like, who are you (laughs) to critique 90s television? But, you know, I just felt like I could only do what I was trained to do. And I was really scared that if I talked about anything other than food, my audience would just go away. Mm-hmm. And I should have, to be honest, now I have, like, my people are my people. And I feel really lucky that I have a really good community online. And, I totally and agree. And they're, they are my fucking people. And the truth is, is, like, people are like, how do you deal with haters and whatever? And it's not that I've, like, never dealt with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we were just talking about the yeah. book reviews. That is, like not to me hate Hate. that's just like people not liking like people are like i don't like that the dude diet genders eating and i was like it's a joke but whatever if that's what upsets you Mm -hmm. that's your opinion and you're not wrong yeah um but with when it comes to like actual haters like i don't think are like instagram haters yeah Mm -hmm. i don't really get that because i think people like i personally don't get a lot of hate because i think I turn certain people off and they unfollow. So they're like, why does she say fuck so much? Unfollow. I totally agree. She talks a lot about skincare and like, I don't give a shit. Unfollow. Mm -hmm. I think they just unfollow versus hating on me. And so my people are my people. I also think it's because, and I'm trying to figure out a way to word this because I definitely am in the same boat as you. I fucking love my audience. Like I joke to my friend, you know the term gassing, how you gas someone up? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, it's basically like (laughs) if you were to post an Instagram and your girlfriends all comment like, damn, you look fierce. Amazing. Like they're lighting my fire. They're gassing (laughs) me up. I live in a world of just being gassed and it rules. Like, yeah, I, that's our, I feel as if I've built an amazing audience that I love and I feel loved by and I feel constantly gassed up. And I said this to my mom and she was like, post me. I want to get gassed. (laughs) But I think that I feel the same way of not receiving a lot of hate. I've had two messages that actually kind of happened recently and it was honestly I get what they were saying and yeah. I opened the conversation and I said, I'm honestly intrigued why you feel that way because I never want to come across that. So please tell me more. And we talked through it as if we were best friends. However, 
I think that because we are so true to ourselves and this is what you're getting and if you don't like it, that's fine, people then just unfollow. You're not like an account that, and I don't know how to say this, you know how there are some accounts or people, celebrities, whatever, it's like you're watching a car crash because it's just all (laughs) so fake, but you can't stop. Yeah. And I think that that's the people, the accounts that receive hate, which no one should be receiving hate. If you're someone that's DMing someone mean shit, like get a life. Yeah. Get over I yourself. Completely agree. Just unfollow them. But I think a lot of hate comes from people feeling that they're not authentic. Yes. That's true. That's And so I think because you're so authentic and this is what you get and if you don't like it unfollow, people do then just unfollow. Just unfollow. You're not someone that people are like, "Let me go back and watch her stories because this is just like so maybe, ridiculous yeah, and I or, hate it or but I like, want to watch it." Or like maybe if, you know, I don't think people think like, "Oh, maybe if I DM her and are like, I'm not a big fan of profanity, so if you could stop swearing, mm-hmm. that would be great." And then assume that you will I'm stop there. Yeah. I went through a phase where I put like explicit on my stories yeah. where I cursed. And then I was like, I'm writing this on every goddamn story. But, I can't. You know, I do think it was really interesting when somebody really nicely, like anytime somebody doesn't like something I'm doing, mm-hmm. I, I I think it's wonderful when they express 100%. that. 100%. But I mean, there was like, you know, somebody, and I wouldn't consider this like a hateful comment, mm-hmm. I had asked because. I try to respond to all my DMs, which is a very time-consuming thing, but it means Same. a lot to me. I'm like, if somebody's taking the time to send this message, the least I can do is acknowledge it. And I think that when people ask important questions, mm-hmm. whether it's a cooking question or something about anxiety or want to talk about a skincare product, I'm like, that's valid. Yeah. But unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, whatever you want to call it, it's like a lot of times like people are like, like shirt link with 18 question marks I know, I or love whatever that you post in the beginning of <laughs> so any I just, story so now but when that started happening I felt like I couldn't stay on top of my dms because it was just like shirt question mark but like 50 of those and then I couldn't get to the important ones so mm-hmm. I was so now I just tag at the beginning but when that first started happening I was like hey like would it be easier if I tagged or I was like do you want like to know it I don't know how to use like to know it so I was I like either. I will do it if you want but I don't understand how to use it mm-hmm. And somebody DM me, which was like not hateful, but was like, I mean, I, I don't think you need to tag at all. Like, I don't care where your clothes are from. And I was like, I know, but I'm trying to you, you cater can't to everyone. a lot of a mm-hmm. lot of people. And she's like, oh, I totally get it. And, you know, it was just, again, I always tell people if I'm about to go on a long story about skincare, I'm like, we're going to talk skincare products. You're not interested. We're going to cook li- dinner later. So keep on clicking. Yeah. Like, I, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me. Not all content resonates no. and like also like I talk a lot about anxiety not everyone that fall most people that follow me are not anxious so they're like I just skip through when you talk about anxiety yeah I don't and that's care. fine like and something I've done that someone recommended that I think has changed it's definitely more work and mm-hmm. annoying for me but I think it helps a lot of people and as a consumer I would totally appreciate it yeah. is and you do it too is writing oh subtitle on your all story. my insta stories because i people are watching on silent well i never listen with my headphones on yeah. anyone's story so i don't know why i thought anyone would be <laughs> listening to my stories with their goddamn headphones on like i i never have volume on so my... i guess i thought i was so special yeah that people would listen to mine so i started doing subtitles and i'm the same way of like I'm especially with my medical stuff I'm like if you don't care which majority of you probably don't but for the 10 people example that this will help I'm gonna talk about it skip on through and my favorite the only time I don't subtitle is I do a monthly Q&A and it's so long I know and I'm like I'll never be able to get through it so I don't subtitle it but that means that every Q&A at least 20 people think they're supposed to answer the questions so I get like they'll be answering like three questions and then they'll be like oh fuck I just realized that like you don't want me to answer like your answer and I'm like make it your Q&A girl I'm getting to know you yeah I love that (laughs) I don't do the subtitles if I'm doing like cooking with Cam like at night it's it's too long and I usually ask this in the beginning so not way far but what is your favorite characteristic about yourself Oh, I'm an easy laugh. So I, I've been told that I make people feel super comfortable and make them feel funny because I, I laugh really I love that easily. about people. <laughs> I really love that. Because They're like, I feel really great and funny right now. I'm like, you are. But also, I am I will literally laugh at anything. I had someone, I was actually DMing with someone today. And she was like, you're cracking me up. And I've had someone else say, I think you're so funny. I'm like, tell me more. Yeah. Because no one finds me funny <laughs> in my real life. And I'm married to the biggest jokester and like he steals the show and I find him hilarious the moments I make him laugh which is one in a like thousand moment 
It is the highlight. So I love people like you that would laugh at me. Yes. Also, I think you're very funny. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Um, and then I do want to talk about the deep yes. diet, which is why I was... I think I'm just really bad at answering your questions. No, I've I haven't even brought it up. long, meandering This is our first tangents. date, so we're really getting to know each other. Um, the deep diet. Yes. Tell me everything. Okay, so... When I met Logan, mm-hmm. uh, roommate, husband, roommate slash husband, we met when I was at culinary school in Paris. Oh, I didn't know. That. Uh, he was living in New York. He is a friend of my best friend. This is a weird story, but okay. my best friend came to visit me in Paris. Okay. He was going to London for work. Logan was Got decided it. to go to Paris by himself for the weekend. Mm-hmm. While my friend was there, and she was like, "My friend Logan is in town. We should meet him for a drink," and we did, and like. That was eight years ago, and now mm-hmm. we're married. Um, so the thing that sort of attracted, one of the many things that attracted to me to him initially was that he, like, loves food. Like, we love food. Mm-hmm. I love many aspects of food, like the experience, the cooking, et cetera. Like, Logan just loves to eat food. And, like, yeah. <laughs> it's this his biggest thrill in life. Mm-hmm. And love a man like It that. was very fun and also very funny. Like, legitimately gives me a contact high when he's, like, mm-hmm. really into something. And because we were long distance for the first nine months that we were dating, I was in Paris and he was in New York, mm-hmm. I just figured that when we were together, he was vacation eating, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I just figured he, he, I mean, he ate, like, absolute shit, but I was like, he definitely, and he wasn't overweight or anything, so I was yeah. like, he definitely eats healthily on his mm-hmm. own time. No, 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 no. So <laughs> you were false. <laughs> yes. So I came home after nine months from Paris. We became roommates. I was like, oh, wow, this is what you eat on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And he re- the, the issue was he really didn't think he ate badly, but he ate maybe one serving of vegetables a day. He okay. ate red meat like three times a week. Everything was like fried or involved cheese, like a lot of cheese. Okay. And he never cooked for himself, so it was all takeout. And also, he works in finance, so it was a lot of like steak mm-hmm. house dinners, but for lunch, you know? Oh, I know. And I did it. Yeah, exactly. So it, it is a lot. <laughs> it taxed my body. And I think, for better or for worse, men just, he's such a smart, well educated guy that mm-hmm. there was elements of frustration when I was like how do you not know this and Mm -hmm. I think men are not bombarded with nutrition information the way that women are no because women are so focused I said this to my therapist women spend so much time bettering themselves if men spent a tenth of the time (laughs) that females spend bettering themselves we would have an incredible population fact and I just was blown away yeah. by sort of his nutritional confusion. And he would just internalize random tidbits from mainstream diets and be like, mm-hmm. oh, like, this is a vegan muffin, so it is healthy. Oh. And I was like, no. no, no or no, like, no. I'd watch him eat three pounds of chocolate-covered gluten-free pretzels. And he'd be like, they are gluten-free. And I was like, that does not matter. Yeah. Uh, so when I would suggest that he should potentially start eating more healthily, he would freak out and mm-hmm. be like, I'm not eating weird vegan shit. And I was like, I'm not a vegan or eat, mm-hmm. an eater of weird shit. Yeah, <laughs> but like it can be very simple and but delicious. But he had kind of a 90s view of healthy eating and thought he had to eat tofu and spinach and yeah. Greek yogurt forever. And Low-fat everything. Yes, and I was just like, that's ridiculous. But I realized that he's, he's difficult to reason with, and I figured mm-hmm. that it would be easiest to show, not tell. And yeah. So I wasn't trying to trick him, but I just started revamping when I made dinner all of his favorite things and cutting out everything processed and working in more vegetables, more lean meats, more whole grains. Mm -hmm. A lot of times he didn't even know what the thing was, you know, quinoa or farro or any of these things, but he was like, I like it. Uh, But I'm talking cheesesteaks, lasagna, Mm -hmm. chicken fingers, all of these things (laughs) that he really loved. And... He ate these meals, which I was committed to having them induce the same excitement freakouts as his usual food because that was what brought him joy and it Mm -hmm. brought me joy. And so I made these meals that I hoped were just delicious, not delicious for being healthy with Mm -hmm. that disclaimer. And he would eat these meals and be like, that was delicious, whatever. And I'd be like, oh, this had X in it and Y and whatever. And he'd be like, oh. 
You tricked then, me. Yeah, so I was like, I'm not tricking you. Like, you'd be like, I knew something tasted weird. And I was like, no takebacks. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> you liked it. Then why is your plate clean? And I figured, and at this stage, I was focusing more on growing the blog. And I wrote this one-off post mm-hmm. saying, it called it the dude diet. It was like, my boyfriend is sort of on a diet. Mm-hmm. And this is the type of stuff that I've been making and he's been feeling better and losing weight and all of this stuff. And I think I posted a recipe for also buco or something. People should go look at the first two diet posts because it's so janky. It's like so bad and the recipe <laughs> is terrible. So don't make the recipe, but, <laughs> but read the post. And uh, the response to that post, keep in mind, blog was no longer pink, but like was still very bad at that okay. point. And I was not accustomed pre-Instagram mm-hmm. days to, to receiving a flood of feedback. Yeah. And I started getting all these emails and legitimate blog comments being like, is this a real diet? And I was like, no, but maybe. But maybe <laughs> we can make it one. And then people being like, do you have more recipes like this? Which I did. Yeah. And then other a lot of women being either saying my husband, boyfriend, dad, son, whatever, is mm-hmm. also nutritionally confused. I would love to cook like this mm-hmm. because ultimately I don't want to eat super unhealthily at night and he's not going to eat yeah. a kale salad. And you don't want to make two separate No, dinners. so we need to find a way to meet in the middle. And then so many women being like, yes, bitch, like I love chicken fingers. Like keep these recipes mm-hmm. coming. And the joke is that like the dude diet, the name is traditionally gendered. But to me, dude is, I call everyone dude. It's a, it's a gender neutral. It's gender neutral, but it's also to me a personality. It's I agree. like people who are sort of laid back, mm-hmm. want to eat comfort food, aren't looking to invest a lot of time in, in anything, to be honest. No, I but agree. But like food, health specifically. And so it started as a column. It really it was instantly became the most popular thing on the blog. Mm-hmm. And it was your niche. It was Exactly. And it was also really fun for me to write. And a lot of it, Logan, people are always like, how does Logan feel about you making fun of him? I was like, it's not really make. it is making fun of him, but two things. First of all, Logan is hilarious and he also is the most laughably secure man I've ever met. Okay. Like, which you need in that type of situation. You need, uh, and also is just fucking aspirational. Like mm-hmm. I'm like you, and he's not annoying. He's like a humble person. He just <laughs> really <Yeah>. secure. <laughs> I say, if I had the confidence that Joe had, I would run the fucking world. Yeah. I was, I'm always like, what? And I love it about him. It's magnetic, but he mm-hmm. was—he's—he also thought he was some sort of internet celebrity. So oh, I was of like, course, sure. So does Logan have an Instagram? <laughs> yes, but it's private. But and like, does he? So he's on Instagram. He gets the joke. He looks at your stuff. And yes, everything. yes, yes. And then also these—the first dude diet book. Mm-hmm. I mean, the columns were all about him, and had pictures of him and yeah. stuff. And he was like, "Yes, I like this." And just—he's also very funny and thinks it's funny. Mm-hmm. And so. When that started to take off, I got a gig private chefing for a couple guys on the Giants through that column because a friend of Very a friend, cool. yeah, like call, like was friends with the the Giants nutritionist who he knew was looking for a mm-hmm. private chef for some of the players, and she called and told me that this was exactly the type of food that they were looking for mm-hmm. because these guys weren't trying to eat super gourmet meals; they were just trying to like eat less Taco Bell. Yeah, and. Also, I don't know anything about football. So she was trying to suss out if I was a weirdo, and I could tell by the questions. I was like, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I don't know anything about football. I do not know who this guy is who you're telling me about. <laughs> I promise not to be a freak. And I'd never been a, like, a, I'd done dinner parties and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but I'd never been a day to day private chef. So were you going every day? No, I was going two to three times a week. And I, what I would do is, prepare dinner for that night mm-hmm. and then make a different dinner for the next for, that yeah. reheated well for the mm-hmm. next night so they weren't eating the same thing two nights in a row because uh, they're giving bre- they're given breakfast and lunch oh, okay at practice uh, so I started doing that and that was I don't know how to describe it because it was deeply hilarious and such a good learning experience and so awesome and like so fucking awful and but that's how I feel I was, about meal prepping. Yeah, I was like, I was just underpaid, overworked, mm-hmm. put in these super weird situations. Because keep in mind, these guys are young. You're alone in their part. They weren't yeah. creeps. It's just a strange dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, pe- for people who don't live in New York, like if you live in New York, a lot of us don't have cars. So I was getting a zip car, driving a Hoboken 
mm-hmm. doing this thing. It was very strange, uh, but I don't regret it for a second. Because but it isn't it funny awesome now experience. looking back? That's how I feel of just like a year ago when I was meal prepping for two to three clients a day, three times a week. Yeah, and I'm like, what? What was I doing? Like, I what? I did what? And it was a f- shit show. Yeah, so underpaid. Um, kind of just like felt like I was just doing what I thought I knew, whatever, and just putting my head to the ground and grinding. Yeah. And you have to. You know. have to. But then it also made me realize, okay, this is not what I love. Yes. And that, for me, giving it that full, you know, two years, mm-hmm. I learned so much. It's such a good thing to have that street cred. And also, mm-hmm. for me, I realized very quickly, I was like, I hate private chefing. Mm-hmm. But I knew I needed to stick it out. And also, at that time, I really needed the money. A hundred percent. That's so, why that was yeah, my so main like focus. Like we were talking about earlier, I did not have the privilege mm-hmm. of just being like, I don't like this, so I'm gonna quit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so the great thing about that is that was also a selling point for me when I came went totally. to pitch the dude diet. But I got a book agent, and I had already written a failed book proposal a couple years before, and it had not been bought, and that was really heartbreaking mm-hmm. for me. But again, you know, learning curve, it brushing led to shoulders this. off. Uh, and my agent read everything on my blog and was like, the dude died is your book. It's your only book. It's the only book that I am willing to sell. So mm-hmm. please go write me a proposal. <laughs> and I was like, I respect your honesty. I shall do that. And we sold the concept of the dude diet. And for me, men don't buy re- cookbooks. So the pitch was really, this is a book for guys who may not have been able to find a book that speaks to them. Yeah. But it's really a book for women mm-hmm. who are either going to laugh at it and be like, this, I relate to this because there's a guy in my life like this, or this is me. Yeah. And ultimately, I was like, my goal is that a lot of couples end up buying it, and maybe the woman buys it, and because that's who's mm-hmm. buying cookbooks, and she leaves it out. The guy reads it on the toilet. They meet in the kitchen. It's like a wonderful love story. It's like my life. <laughs> and, and it's just been, it came out three years, no, two, it came out in October of 2016. So it will be three years this October. And is the second book? The second book is Dude Diet Dinner Time. So the Ooh. first book has like snacks and cocktails okay. and desserts and all of these things. And it's more of a basics. And I like to think that, first of all, dinner is the meal that most of us are struggling to make. And so that's why I decided to do Dinner mm-hmm. Time. Uh, that was just the most requested recipe type. But also, I wanted it to be for people who want to make accessible weeknight dinners, but also there is a chapter called Black Tie Optional that's like dinner part, like Fancy. a little bit elevated. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I throw in a breakfast for dinner chapter because mm-hmm. why not? People like, I'm a people big get their, fan. me too, but people get their breakfast fix in there too, should mm-hmm. they not be all about dinner. But it just gives people more options. And my whole thing too is that I want to provide people with roadmap recipes that they can make their own. I'm like, I love when you make my recipes and they're huge successes, but yeah. I, my whole goal with writing these types of recipes is that they build your confidence in the mm-hmm. kitchen and then you feel like you can create meals with what you have and in your fridge and things. change a few things and you, know, base. you do you is my recipe and my life motto and I love that and when is the second book release uh October 29th of this year oh my god I know and you we were saying you're going on a book tour and I'm yes. gonna kind of just like maybe jump on a few of the cities yes. and make yep. a girl's trip yep. out of it yes I've been talking to a lot of people about this I'm like I'm gonna send a list to everyone Literally, and I'm like everyone tack it on city and like make it a make big, it a retreat big yes. girls fun food filled Very weekend into it. there's so many good cities on that list and like food cities yeah exactly okay Amazing. I'm very excited. This relationship is moving so yes, fast and I'm I here know. for it. Um, so to close out, yes. what are the three ways to your heart through food? Oh. And one can be you're not sponsored yet in a bath because I'm oh my God. so in yes. love okay, with so that I'm, part of I'm your I'm going to be super predictable, but – I love tequila. It's mm-hmm. my drink of choice. Same. I like the taste of it. I'm not trying to cover it up. Oh, I love it. Um, on the I rocks drink with lime. tequila in the ro- on the rocks with lime in my Yeti, like generally, but mm-hmm. I particularly enjoy it in the bath. Also, if you are a bathtub, like cocktail drinker, highly recommend Yeti, which has yet to acknowledge me or sponsor me. But we need to get that. The steamy happening. bath, like people, 
um, never realize that it's melting the ice. Well, you're talking to a girl who doesn't have a bath, and all I want oh, is one. Oh my dear God, you can come over and use one. Honestly, <laughs> I'm going home tonight, and I am so freaking excited to take a bath. Baths are my life, bud. Also, Ruby Rosa pizza. I know that's not like a weight oh, of my shit, heart. It's that just was another like, thing I wanted to talk about. Can yeah, you give us? I go the to Ruby Rosa pizza. I'm like outing myself, and this is why. I, I mean, it's ridiculous, but like I go to Ruby Rosa with my husband every Sunday barring travel or extreme illness, and we've been going there every Sunday for three and a half years now, four years maybe. Uh, we sit at the bar. The, the staff is, sees us more than our friends. Mm-hmm. They know like everything that's going on in our life. Now when people give us presents, they don't even give us presents anymore. We just get Ruby Rosa gift certificates because they're like, at least we know you. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I love this. Like I truly cannot explain how much and this And I post the same heart. picture of the same exact pizza every single Sunday. Yeah. So A, <laughs> it speaks to my heart in so many ways, but A, I am all about traditions like I fucking love love traditions traditions. I try to make as many traditions in my life as I possibly can B I love being a local somewhere yeah that to me is the best and Joe and I used to do well we kind of every Friday night bar sardine was our thing I love that yes however we became very in with the bartenders Mm -hmm. and the people that worked there we would get hugs like they'd come from behind the bar I loved it we'd always get a free drink free fries whatever I felt like a local I fucking lived for it we took a month off before our wedding because we had so many planning shit things and we had other weddings then we went on our honeymoon and whatever we come back and the entire (laughs) the entire staff turned over Uh, I texted the bartender and I was like where the hell is everyone? And now we are nobodies. Uh-huh. We walked in and someone was like, okay, well, we'll take your name. Like, you know, this is how it works. And I was like, I fucking know how it works. It was a dagger to my soul. So Super I'm actually, tough. I love what you're doing, but I'm really just jealous of it all. Yes, I, I and I know we already, we lost one of the bartenders like six months ago and it was really devastating, but mm-hmm. like we're still in contact. But still, yeah. I'm like, eventually this will continue to happen. I don't know, the third way to my heart through food, uh, I, selfishly, I really love when I am able to cook for myself. I agree. With no work attached so it's not Mm -hmm. a night I'm cooking dinner for Instagram it's not a recipe I'm testing for the blog or for the book Mm -hmm. it is just dinner and on Friday nights again traditions Mm -hmm. I make this pasta for Logan and I which is basically the like dude diet pesto from the first book and I use like brown rice pasta and then I add chicken and roasted cauliflower and goat cheese and I don't know, we've been eating it every like every Friday night that we don't have plans for yeah. years now. And that is one meal that I like never cook on Instagram and he comes home and I we have cocktails and I make I this and that. it's wonderful. And it's also just like it's time for the two of you. Yes. I know. And I've struggled with the tradition that was for Joe and I, Taco Tuesdays. Yes, because now it's a work thing. It's now kind of a work thing. <laughs> I'm like, well fuck this backfired. <laughs> So, again, I need another tradition. But my goal is to make it to a Ruby Rosa with you one Sunday. Yes, you must. Double date. It's the best. Okay, well, truly thank you thank for you being, for having me. This like, was so fun. entering a stranger's apartment. Um, this was so much fun. I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. Yes. You can find – do you want to plug your Instagram? Uh, I am at Serena G. Wolf. And it will all be in the show notes, including Domesticate Me, her blog, and the Do Diet and all of that. If you haven't checked out the Jew Diet, go buy the first copy and then also buy the second copy in October. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie. Thank you.